Welcome to the Audible. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined by Bruce Feldman. Sorry we didn't give you an episode there for a while, but we've both been traveling here in the midst of spring football. Bruce, in particular, you always make me feel a little bit lazy when I go on a seemingly reasonable trip, and then you're tweeting from Toledo practice. I like this time of year, Stu. It's a, it's a chance to kind of either meet some coaches you barely know and kind of or see some places you've never been, only seen them on TV. And that's what usually some of these April trips are for me. And so it's been a, um, about halfway through this two-week jaunt, and um, it's been fun. Although uh, we can talk a little bit about the minutia of the trip and, and life on the road maybe a little later in the podcast. I you must be putting up some serious – has this been one rental car the entire week? It is. My bright red Jeep has been logging miles and um, – what stinks is I have – well, we'll get to the minutia later. Let's uh, – oh, well, Wait, is Fox paying per mile? Is it one of those things where you drop it off in a different state so you have to pay for the mileage? I hope not because that's going to be a lot of miles. That it is. <laughs> so what? I don't know. What's the minutia of the trip? Um, so the weird part is I don't have, I don't have uh, satellite radio. So I'm just kind of driving and driving and I'm – you know, it's basically at one point a four-hour drive to Pittsburgh – and now, you know, like the, my drive from Pittsburgh to Morgantown isn't bad. It's like an hour and 40 or whatever. But, you know, later this weekend, I'm going to go to Penn State, which I think is like three and a half from here. And anyway, but you like you like you're just stuck in the car. You're just sitting there. It's kind of, you know, fortunately, it's not a lot of traffic. And you start listening to these songs. It's not like, you know, you just keep your finger on the scan button almost constantly, you know, to hear anything or whatever. And so I'm like, find myself listening to music that maybe either heard when I was a kid or just kind of like heard secondarily, meaning it's like, you know, maybe you were at a party or at a bar you've heard. And it was funny. There was a song came on uh, two nights ago and it's a song I've heard a lot. And I remember it's always like in a movie. Like I remember it's in the, this particular song. It's the the group is or the person is bad company and the song is shooting star. Mm-hmm. It's an older song. That's I know a, it's a uh, guitar hero song. Okay, well I know it's in the movie Wonderland, which is one of my favorite movies. And um, so I'm listening to the song and I'm like, man, this is a really depressing song as I listen to the lyrics because at one point I hear the part where Johnny is going to be this like rock and roll star. He's living leaving home. He makes it big. And then he dies like of a uh, sleeping pills and booze. I'm like, well, this isn't very good. It's like you're sitting there and you like you listen to this stuff. And I'm like, man. And then I heard another couple of songs and it was more similar stuff. And I was just like, this is depressing me. Now I know I now I know I like the music I like as opposed to some of this other stuff. So you realize this would be an opportune time for you to just be catching up on podcasts. You could be listening to hours and hours of podcasts on these drives. I usually do that when I go to the gym. I, I, you know, I think we've talked about this offline a little bit. Like I've got made a point to try to listen to other podcasts, not just college football podcasts, but you know, other stuff. And it's cool for, you know, since you and I are kind of in the weeds of our own podcast to do that. Um, so this would be an opportune time for me to ask you outside of the audible outside of college football, actually, let's do that. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite podcast? Well, my favorite podcast you know, of all time, not of all time, a recent last couple of years was startup. Mm -hmm. And that actually ironically focused on the, uh, you know, a person who was starting up a for-profit podcast company from scratch. So it was very meta. I actually recently listened to, uh, missing Richard Simmons. Have you heard that? I've heard of it. A very popular one, a series where it's just exactly what it sounds like where the creator is, actually kind of unhealthily obsessed with what happened to Richard Simmons, why has he disappeared off the face of the earth and goes searching. Um, I don't know. Th those two come to mind right away. Obviously, I listened to Serial back in the day. I've been meaning to start S-Town, which is a spinoff of Serial. Uh, Mark Maron's podcast uh, is really good. Uh, I listen to that often, depending on who he interviews. What about you? Um, 
you know, the furthest away from college football that I've gotten, I listened to a Bill Simmons podcast, and I'll be honest, obviously he's wildly popular in sports. I had not listened to his stuff much. I mean, obviously I'd seen him on TV and, you know, seen some of his stories, but uh, I'd listened to one with our former colleague, Mike Lombardi was on it, and I get why he has a big appeal. I thought it was, you know, it was very easy listening, and, um, you know, so it was, uh, it's good to just kind of see how other people do it. You know, because of so much of how, you know, our podcast, I feel like, you know, it kind of has rhythms to it, whether we intend it for not for, or not. That's the way it kind of works. And so when you hear how other people do it, it kind of stretches. I mean, we, I know I li- try to listen to our friends, uh, Andy and Lindsay over at SI a lot and, you know, like their their chemistry together. And and I think it helps if you know the people, you know, as opposed to, hey, I don't really know these people. And then you're just kind of feeling your way along for it and sometimes it works for you and sometimes it doesn't i'm gonna guess that most of the people listening to this podcast have listened to bill simmons podcast it is the the godfather of sports podcasts i would say of course now he ventured he he does a lot of uh non-sports i've listened i remember doing he, he had an interview with lauren michaels that was great he actually recently did one that i listened to it was an hour-long discussion of the movie blue chips you remember blue chips i do yeah sure fantastic movie that also has a lot of ridiculous ridiculous college basketball plots to it but man can you imagine doing a movie like that now it was like 1994 and the stars of the movie playing college players were Shaq, Penny Hardaway and who am I forgetting uh Nover yeah from Indiana yeah. yeah well that that's that seems like that'd be really hard to pull off today and Bob Knight is in it he plays the himself coaching Indiana and the team beats Indiana um Wow, wild movie. We've gone so far off the rails. We actually intended to fully talk about college football today because we have all this we have all these nuggets to share with you guys from all these schools we've been visiting. Why don't we start well, me, with Okay, go ahead. Why don't we start in my own backyard? I, before I left, I went out to USC and then this week you went out to USC and then you go to UCLA. UCLA. Mm-hmm. So, impressions of of the Trojans were you more impressed than you thought you'd be or less? Uh, more impressed. I went in with legitimate questions you know i know obviously coming off this fantastic season the budding star quarterback and sam darnold obviously expectations are very high but i mean this is a team that lost all american offensive linemen thorpe award cornerback star receiver so you know i i I was being a little bit cautious but um obviously darnold's great a couple of defensive players stood out to me curious your opinion Guys who might you might see. It's not like these guys haven't, well, one case they haven't played before. Well, let's start with, I'm, I'm just going to botch these names so much. Let's start with number 42, Achena Nuosu. Yeah, okay. So he was a guy when Clancy Pendergast, defense coordinator, came back last year in the spring. I remember him talking about, he, he kind of evoked memory of, of uh, remember UCLA's Anthony Barr was a terrific player, mm-hmm. you know, long pass rusher guy. Now he's not quite like that, but that was kind of what he was hoping. And I think Uchenna's had an up and down career, but well, he's definitely he's like, one that catches your eye. Yeah, he's going into his fourth year, and he's kind of gradually played more and more. And now they, the people there see him as a guy who could be a real star in his senior season. Um, and and really, linebacker should be a strength. For USC, if he does play up to that potential, you've also got Porter Gustin, who's very established. Um, Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith, who's very established. So I think that could be a strength for them. Defensive line, the guy who's turning heads is a true freshman. Could he be uh, Could he be this year for USC their um, Dexter Lawrence or Ed Oliver? No, 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 no. no, no you don't no. want to go that far. No, I think you're going way over your skis on that. No. Well, I don't... I don't see him being an all-American type player right off the bat, but Clay Helton isn't hesitating to talk about him as if as a uh, this is an early enrollee, and we're talking here about Marlon. Can you give me Tui Pelotu? Marlon Tui Pelotu. Um, he's not like you know, remember you see Dexter Lawrence up close here, just like holy crap, what a freak! It's not like that, but he is playing at a high level already to the point where he's playing on the first team. I'm going to go through a couple of guys and tell me if you if you caught if they caught your eye the same as mine. Now the thing that jumped out to me in my USC day was 
their young receivers had a very impressive day. Um, and some of these guys were hyped up guys when they came in. Uh, Michael Pittman looked terrific the day I was there. He's a 6'4", 215-pound, uh, second-year sophomore. He did play some. Uh, the other guy who's in that class who had, came in with a pretty big reputation and who redshirted last year was Tyler Vaughns. He had a really good day. The guy who didn't come in with a big reputation, who uh, they were really buzzing about when I talked to coaches after, was Bellis Jones. And even though he's only listed at 185, T. Martin said he's about 205, and they say he has the kind of burst and, and explosiveness that Adoree Jackson has, except in a 205-pound body. And he was an Alabama kid. I don't think the Tide offered him. A bunch of other places did. But they're very excited about him. And so when you lose their two leading receivers, obviously Juju Smith um, was the was the big one. Darius Rogers was the other guy. You know, Sam Darnold's going to have to find some other options. And these guys look like they're ready to step up. The other guy I noticed who kept on popping out was Jamel Cook. That's uh, Dalvin Cook's cousin, number 21. And he is a rangy, rangy safety for Miami. He redshirted last year. And I think he could really help them this year. So Clay Helton, when I talked to him, said flat out that the emergence, needing new receivers to emerge and for Sam Darnold to develop chemistry with these receivers after he, you know, relied so heavily last season through so many passes to Juju Smith-Schuster and Darius Rogers, he said that him developing chemistry with these young receivers will basically make or break their season. Uh, he's very confident in the offensive line and the running backs and the defense. This is the key area for him. I noticed um, Tyler Vaughn's for sure, and obviously they talked up the other guys. I have to say, the day I was there, they're down a lot of offensive linemen right now, including their top two centers. So frankly, the offense was having trouble even snapping the ball, much less make big plays in the passing game. But on the whole, apparently, oh, and Vellis Jones as well, that those guys have been impressive. So all in all, is it reasonable to expect this team to contend for the national championship? Ooh, uh, I think they're a legit playoff contender. So then, yes, I would say that. You agree? Yeah, I think, and I was a little bit skeptical going in. And look, the the, the margin of error obviously is thin. I mean, they went ten and two last year, and 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 we're not in the playoff hunt. Or, I'm sorry, nine at ten and three last year, and we're never in the playoff hunt, and yet had a really good season. If they were to come back this year and go ten and three, I think USC fans would be disappointed. Uh, I do think they can take that next step up. One of the teams that two of the teams that could keep them from doing that, I'm going to be seeing here really soon in Stanford and Washington. You know, I think you, when you were looking at the Pac-12 going into the season, those are the three teams: um, USC, Stanford, and Washington that would seem most likely to win the conference championship. Um, what did you see from on your trip to UCLA? UCLA was a little different in that it was only the first day of practice, so they were not in pads. Uh, it was hard to read much into it. I will say that, the, you know, the big question, well, first of all, Josh Rosen was the storyline there. Josh Rosen coming back from injury, his first practice back, looked like he was throwing well, spoke to reporters afterward and talked about, um, and by the way, you know Josh, you've, you've covered him a lot and you know his personality well. Um, he's just a different kind of kid. He, you know what I mean? He he just talks and speaks differently with a special kind of insight and he said that this whole process where he had the shoulder surgery last year, missed the second half of the season, was rehabbing, he said all the way up until about a few weeks ago, uh, has given him a new perspective. He basically had been going, 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 going for so long, obviously starting from the first game of his true freshman season, to kind of have that taken away from you and, and have to basically slow it down for six months make, gives you a new appreciation for, for what you have. Uh, you know, that's the big storyline surrounding UCLA. But, but beyond that, it's just everything on offense. New coordinator and Jed Fish, new assistant coaches, and the the kind of desperate, really, uh, need to develop a running game. And mm -hmm. that's what I would be curious if I were to go back when they're actually in pads and playing live, what the running game looks like. You can't really get that from, you know, uh, drills. When you say when you talk about Rosen's kind of persona and and was that the first time you've been around him? That's something. Uh, I've been at a press conference after a game that he was in, but it was the first time in a kind of a small group setting. So what what is different to you about him than maybe it's most hard. of the other? 
it's hard to put a finger on. Um, and, and now, look, I know that he gets labeled as being arrogant or, um, you know, really high on himself, basically. I didn't necessarily get that that day. But he just, he's a smart kid and he, you know, he, he's been quoted many places kind of talking about the whole amateurism issue at a high level. He just seems to have, he just seems to look at things a little bit differently than the typical college player. But how would you describe it? Um, yeah, it is, it is hard. I, I think he is very intelligent. I think that he's a smart kid, but at the same time, he is still a kid. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, maybe he, he's got some awareness of some uh, issues that a lot of times other college players we're talking to may not, uh, may not have the same level of awareness about, um, so I think he's, I think he's, you know, a, com- a complex kid in that regard. But Com- uh, complex is a good word for it. I'm going to read you a specific quote from that day. Now, obviously, the big storyline in LA this year is going to be those two quarterbacks, and and it, it's fa- and I'm writing about it myself right now. It's fascinating how they reversed roles. Rosen was the hotshot guy who started as a true freshman, and and was you know already being. Pro- projected to do all these great things and then has a setback last year sam darnold no hype at all didn't even have the starting job to start last year and now he's the guy after one season really after what 10 starts that is now mm-hmm. being talked about as heisman front runner possible number one quarterback next year in the draft so you i'm gonna guess that's bugging rosen but he wouldn't quite go there but he just said this uh when asked if it was tough to be out last year and watch the uh, you know the the team across town and the quarterback across town have such a great season. He was asked if if that bugs him. No, because everyone knows how good they are, and they have that sort of internal scoreboard. I know where I'm at. Uh, what's an internal scoreboard? Uh, an internal scoreboard. The way I would interpret it is, you kind of have the perspective of. This is who we are, and this is what matters here, and this is how everyone else feels about it. Oh, see, I took it as an as a, more of a him about himself that he has an internal scoreboard and he knows how good he is, regardless of how everybody's hyping up the other guy. Oh, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that is what he meant. I I don't know. I don't know. What do you, Jed Fish is a guy who you've covered. He comes from Michigan, mm-hmm. two years under Harbaugh. He's worked with some good quarterbacks. It's uh, To me, this is what troubles me about UCLA. Not only are they coming off a bad season, they're coming off a season in which Jim Mora basically scrapped his entire offense that they had under Noel Mazzoni for a completely different pro-style system under a coordinator in Kennedy, Paul Malu, who I don't think was fit for that role. It didn't work. It worked miserably. They had no running game. So he fired him and, and Adrian Clem, the offensive line coach, had been there from day one. And now they're starting over again. And these guys were asked that in any number of ways, and they're kind of downplaying it. But to me, three coordinators in three years for Rosen. Three quarterback coaches in three years also. Three quarterback coaches in three years. And just just trying to run a pro-style offense with a bunch of guys who were recruited for a completely different style of play that they had under Mazzoni. I'm well, I skeptical I don't know if they were, I don't know if they were recruited for, you know, Josh Rosen is better suited in a pro style offense than he is, you know, and, and is he though? Know, he, he always looks more comfortable in the, in the kind of two minute drill type situations. Yeah. But I think it's different where you're, you're not asking him to do zone read and some, some other stuff off the RPOs where the quarterbacks involved in the run game. You know, I know he can run a little bit. I think he had like a 50 yard touchdown run when they played Wazoo a couple of years ago, but well, I think it's. I think it shows more in the running game. So, I remember covering a game there two years ago, where Soso Jamabo, who was a five star, maybe four star, very Probably highly five rated, star. yeah, yeah, freshman coming off the bench for Paul Perkins, had these explosive runs, and you thought, my gosh, this guy's gonna be really good, and then he did absolutely nothing last year, and people there think he just isn't that kind of runner to run in a pro style system. Um, he looked good. I mean, in the part I was watching, he again looked really fast and really explosive. But can he actually hit the hole and run between the tackles? That's what they're missing. 
Well, if you can't do that, you're not going to play in the NFL either. So, you know, if you're a five-star running back, you need to be, you should at least be able to, you know, to, to succeed in any running, especially if you're a, you know, he's a substantial size back. He's not a small back. Um, I think a couple of things on the fish hire, you know, as you said, he's a very experienced guy. You know, he worked at first under Steve Spurrier and then later on with Pete Carroll. And at some point, you know, he's a Shanahan guy and now he's got Harbaugh. I think what is very positive, though, is the staff he put together has a lot of his fingerprints on it. His O-line coach is his guy, Hank Fraley. His receivers coach, Jimmy Doherty, was with him at Michigan. I think there is, um, you know, more of a cohesiveness than some of the parts that were thrown together last year. And as you said, you know, Kennedy Polamalu had been a running backs guy for a long time, a special teams guy, and is a really well-regarded assistant. But I just think, you know, sitting in that chair may have been a little different and maybe the fit. And it was also a bigger transition to go from what Noel was doing to, you know, they had already made some of the moves over to a more pro-style system. So I think now it's a, it's a more of a, a less of a steep learning curve. And I think what you'll see with, with, with Jed Fish is probably a more of the attention to details and what they're asking for. And I do think if Rosen is healthy, I, I expect them to have a bounce back year. I just don't know how much bigger the bounce back is. I think they'll be the second best team in the South. I'm expecting around eight and four. I don't think they have, they just don't have the same kind of talent, skill talent across the board that USC does. They don't have those, they don't have as many of those athletic big receivers. They have a few, but I just, I just don't think, you know, they're a good team. Whereas I think USC just has, has more big athletes to them. For a couple of years there, I want to say 2014 and 2015, I would hear often from coaches around the conference that they were the most talented team in the Pac-12 UCLA. And obviously, Mora never got more than, a, I think, like a 10-4 and four season out of it. Now, you're, now you're, you know, you're just saying they don't have the skill talent. You know, I, I think 8-4 and four is optimistic, frankly. But, you know, we, you may be right. And then SC, I think... Nobody really, when you would hear them talk about the scholarship reductions and how it was still affecting them, people didn't have a lot of sympathy for it because they're still signing, right, five-star recruits. They're still signing, uh, you know, Adoree Jackson and Juju Smith and whatnot. But, you know, I do think it mattered, and now it's pretty much over. You look out there, it's 85 deep. It looks like a USC team that I used to see when I would go to practice there you know, so only years ago, the only area where I think USC is lagging compared to where they really were in the Pete Carroll days, they I think their defensive line is is good. It's nowhere near where it had been. And I don't I don't look at it right now and see, OK, that guy's going to be a top 10 pick or that guy's going to be a first rounder. I don't and, think they and have that's that. notable because the teams that played in the national championship game last year, Alabama and Clemson. You know, phenomenal defensive lines. Ohio State, which we'll get to. Washington had good big guys in their yeah. D-line. Um, okay, hey, so let's, let's transition. Let's transition. Before we, we transition, let me do this with you, and we're going to run through UCLA and see how close we are. Okay? Are I got you, their schedule. Do we have to play the schedule game again? Sure, it's fun. All right. I'm, sit, I'm sitting in a hotel in Morgantown, snowing outside. You can you can indulge me for five extra minutes. Okay. Uh, open at home against Texas A&M. Whoa, that's a tough one right off the bat. That's a that's a swing game, and it's a Fox Sports game, by the way. I think I'm gonna have to go with the Aggies there. Okay, new quarterback for the Aggies. You're going Aggies. Week two, Nick Rolovich in Hawaii come in. I'll give that one to UCLA. One and one. Week three is at Memphis. That is a tricky game. Tricky game, UCLA. Two and one at Stanford. Stanford. Two and okay, two. Okay, I'm gonna disagree with you. You think UCLA um, wins at Stanford? Yes, I think Josh Rosen goes to the school he wanted to go to and, and beats them. Okay, so I have three and one. You have – I'm not even sure. You know what? I think they're going to either beat Stanford or Texas A&M to start. They might be both, but okay. So you have two and two. And Home to Colorado. Home to Colorado, yes. who I think is going to regress a little bit. So yeah. I'll give that one to the Bruins. At Arizona. I have no idea what to make of Rich Rod's team there. Um um, Arizona. Okay. Home against Oregon. UCLA. Okay, so you have them at that point at four and three. Mm-hmm. At Washington. Washington. At Utah. Utah. 
I don't know. Utah lost a lot of guys. I'm that's not sure that's a tough back to back road games. That is, yeah. Uh, home against ASU, UCLA. At USC, USC. Cal at home, UCLA. So I have them six and six. Yes, I am at eight and four. All right. Well. We'll think of some bet to. I don't know. I don't know if I'll end up sticking with that. But if it is, we can wager something on it. Um, I could be wrong on this, by the way. But I think the at Memphis game could be as tough as either at Stanford or home against Texas A and M. I'm going to be seeing Stanford shortly after we record this podcast. Probably by the time people listen to it, and I will get back to you about whether I'm as bullish as I seem to be. Okay. Now you want to transition. I want to transition to another part of the country. So that was our, our, our L.A. swing. So you started this now week-long trip, and I think it's going to go even longer than that, in Columbus. And there's just a lot of interesting storylines, obviously, surrounding the Buckeyes. What stood out to you? Uh, you're right. There's a lot. So first of all, they got a lot of D-linemen. That stands out when you, when you eyeball them. And I've now seen a bunch of teams – Ohio State is really deep with D linemen. Ohio State probably would have the best third team of, of the six or seven teams I've seen so far because they have a lot of D linemen and they have a lot of guys who look like big time defensive backs. Um, Did I see where Greg Schiano hint? Oh, no, Larry Johnson, the defensive yeah. line coach, hinted at playing a five man front because they have so many good defensive linemen? I think what they really have is really good defensive ends. That's what it is. They have one defensive tackle that they really like, Draymond Jones. Um, and then it's, they have four defensive ends who probably would start at almost any school in the country now. Um, you know, this is a really good team. It's a, it, what's interesting, too, and I've heard this at other places when I tell people I've gone to Ohio State – Two different coaches I talked to think Kevin Wilson may be the most underrated hire anybody made this winter. Oh, it's not underrated to me. It's exceptional. That he was the he, that he is such an upgrade for what they had um, there running the offense, and that'll make a difference. Um, Urban Meyer told me JT Barrett has taken a jump, you know, in his play from where he was. He said he was kind of stagnant for a while and he's encouraged by that, but they have to find a way to complete more passes downfield. There's no way around that. Did you see evidence that they can do that? The, the day I was there at practice, you know, I thought he looked pretty good. I actually thought all four of their quarterbacks looked very good. Uh, Urban had told me Dwayne Haskins, you know, came in with a lot of hype. Had his was coming off his best day. I thought Dwayne Haskins looked really good throwing the ball. Didn't Joe Urban Burrow, Meyer come on our podcast that Sunday day and say that Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback he'd ever been around or something like that? Best young quarterback, best, yes. Yeah. Um, and he's not a dynamic athlete, especially in that system. But he he does throw it pretty effortlessly. Um, but he's he's right now slightly behind Joe Burrow for the number two spot, and then the number four guy Tate Martell. I thought you know I've seen Tate throw before. I thought he looked pretty sharp for a mid-year guy he's not very tall he's probably 510 and a change um they have a good group of receivers i think ben victor who's, who was a freshman last year out of florida is ready to take the next step and i think in 2018 ben victor i could see being an all-american i mean he will be a stud he just keeps getting bigger and he's really long and got great ball skills they're very excited about him uh, I talked to three different guys on staff and individually they all kind of talked about how good and how much better their tight ends have gotten and some of their linebackers have gotten. So, um, you know, I think this is, this should be a legit, you know, top seven or eight team, depending on, I think they go as far as JT Barrett and the downfield passing game can take them. In a couple of weeks, once everybody gets done with their spring games, I will do a post spring top 25. And I will seriously consider making the Buckeyes my number one team. Talk me in or out of it. Um, well, here's what I could talk you into. And it's the same reason. Probably you don't, actually, you don't need to that. talk me into. Should, I, I'm, I'm on board. It's going to be Alabama or Ohio State. So talk me out of it. Talk you out of it. Um, Sounds like you're I'm, on board. You're convinced. I'm pretty close to on board on yeah. it, you know, because 
I like the, I really like the addition of Kevin Wilson. I like some of the stuff they've done on the staff, you know, the temperament, this is a good little kick it around thing. So, you know, some of these visits you get, you sitting on a coach, coach's couch and you can just kind of do spitball stuff at them. And I asked Urban Meyer just about, you know, obviously losing and getting shut, shut out by Clemson is going to sting really bad. And, you know, do you, how do you, how do you address it? How do you handle it? How do you use it? And he said, you know, back when he was at Florida, there was a year where I think Noshan Moreno ran for like 183 yards on them and beat them. And he said, you know, at that off season after like practices or, you know, um, workouts, the team would do 183 pushups, you know, because of, you know, using that as motivation. He said, we're not doing that now. He goes, now we may change the idea of that. I said, why is that? He said, just the, the, the temperament and the leadership of the team, they feel like they don't, you know, that's not something that they want to do to, to, uh, to drive off that. And we'll see, you know, again, cause it was just a stinging, stinging loss. And we talked a lot about JT Barrett's mindset, you know, and this is a guy who is going to be the only three time captain in the history glorious history of Ohio State that speaks to his leadership. I mean, if JT Barrett is, you know, kind of in his head where he was as a redshirt freshman, and I think they had better skill talent around him at that point, but if he's that way, I think Ohio State should be number one. So you know, you, because I, I, I don't think they have any flaws. Wow, that, that is going to get circulated on the internet right there. Bruce no, Feldman, I mean, I Ohio State it. does not have any flaws. No, I'm sure that's that's possible. Now, I will say that for all the praise you just heaped on JT Barrett, you do realize there is, and I don't know if this is still the case, but coming off the Clemson game when everybody was very frustrated, uh, and really the second half of that season, there was a significant section of Ohio State fans that were kind of hoping he might just decide to move on. Which is kind of yeah. crazy when you consider how accomplished he is. Yeah, and he fits, you know what, I think he fits in the system well because he can run the football and that's good with Urban. The challenge is, can he get the ball downfield? But the young receivers I saw, especially Ben Victor, Ben Victor is the guy who if he was at Clemson or Oklahoma State, he's he, those 50-50 balls are going to him and he's making a lot of big plays. And I think if you can give Ohio State that dimension, which they really hadn't had for the last two years to, you know, I know they had Mike, Mike uh, Thomas, you know, two years ago, but I felt like it was just kind of lacking last year in a big way. And ultimately it just kind of sat, sunk them. And I think that at this point they're going to have that option, I, I think. And I'm not saying they need to be they need to be Clemson in terms of that because I think they're going to be good enough in enough places where I think they're the safest pick because they have such, you know, to me when I look, I think Penn State's going to be really good. I don't have the same faith in Penn State's personnel on defense that I do in Ohio State. I think Ohio State, and I'm going to see Penn State, you know, three days from now, but I think Ohio State just has so many more athletes on defense that it gives them a better chance. And that game is in Columbus, you know, the toughest road game it looks like they're going to have. Like, I think Nebraska will be better, but, you know, they got at Michigan. So, I don't know. I, I'm I'm encouraging you to pick the Buckeyes number one. All right. Well, you know, We'll see their their spring game at some point soon here, and then and then we'll make that decision. Um, all right, where'd you go next? Uh, from there, I went to Toledo. I've heard a lot of good things from coaches about Jason Candle. He's the young head coach at Toledo. I went there, and um, what was cool about that day? That was Wednesday, so I went to Toledo, and then I went to watch Bowling Green practice. Obviously, I've seen you know enough matching to have seen both teams on tv quite a bit i was just gonna say you are not gonna get better matching coverage than you're about to get <laughs> on this podcast what what was cool about it was i have never in my life been to toledo and you know so i drove in there like i guess it was late tuesday night and i couldn't really you know see you know see much because it was you know after dark and i didn't stay near the campus and where i was the, the area where i ended up staying was pretty run down um, and then the next day I went, went to, you know, at seven thirty or seven in the morning to go meet Jason and t the area of the campus is in a very cool spot. There's a, like, it's a, I think it's a very charming 
very well done campus. I mean, I was very impressed by everything I saw there. You know, their facilities were, were better than I had expected. Um, you know, I had a chance to sit in on one of his leadership meetings to see how he interacted with his, with his players. And I would be very, very surprised. This is not probably things Toledo fans are going to want to hear, but I would be very, very surprised if five years from now, Jason Candle's not at a very, very big school. And that may be because he went somewhere a year, two years from now, a mid, you know, a, you know, a little bigger school one, and then jumped up to a bigger school. I think he's going to be a big star in coaching. Okay. And by the way, um, a few, about a month or two ago, we got a question and I remember it may have been like a, a related to college basketball, but you, oh, you gave a great answer and you, we discussed Mount Union. Remember this? It was, I, I, uh, you were trying to figure, we were talking about comparing it to UConn women's basketball. Strength. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And your answer was, was Mount Union. So Jason is a Mount Union guy and the minutia on Mount Union is pretty awesome. You know, he said at one point on, I think it was their 2002 team, there were eight different guys on the team who are now either FBS coaches or NFL coaches, eight different players. Um, one other thing that I thought was interesting is, you know, he's got a bunch of guys on his staff who, who were former players there. They may not have been teammates on that team or on those teams, but they had, you know, were products of Mount Union. And so his recruiting guy, uh, Ricky Sacconi, I think his name is, was telling me, you know, he played there and they would have like 230, 240 guys on the roster. You know, they're really? not cutting anybody. Yeah. Oh, wow. They're not cutting anybody. And how so do they how all fit st- on the sideline? That's a great question. I don't, I don't know <laughs> the answer. Um, but, but I said, how many students go there? And he said, I don't know, about 2,000, you know, 2,500 or something like that. And if you think about it, so I was like, wow, that means like if you go under the assumption that like 50% of the students are, are male and 50% are female, like 20% of the student of the males on student body play for the, the best football program, the most dominant football program in the country then. Well, if there's no limits and you're wanting to play football at that level, why wouldn't you go to Mount Union? Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's cool. I said, uh, I said, so do you have like 40 kickers then? Cause I'm, if I'm a kid in Ohio and I was like, not sure where I want to go to school, I would go to Mount Union and just be like, Hey, I'll, you know, try to be on the football team and stay with practice. I know it's a commitment. He said when he got there, there were 18 running backs, 18 freshman running backs. Wow. And I thought he told me maybe six made it through to, you know, ended up staying for the whole four years. I can't believe there hasn't been like uh, one of these Showtime or HBO Hard Knocks type series on Mount Union. Yeah, I am totally fascinated by the program the more I hear about it. Uh, Uh, You know that our podcast editor, Lindsay, is a huge Mount Union football fan. I know she's a huge WWF fan. I thought she was a... A, uh, I thought that took precedence over Mount Union, but yeah, I believe she had a family member on the team that she went to watch. And in fact, the reason this came up is because a while back you mentioned Allie LaForce, and right, and, I think her brother's Jack who played there. In the, yeah, so they would. She said that's what she said. She said she watched uh, Allie's brother uh, play for Mount Union. I was just refamiliarizing myself with Toledo's season last year, and I forgot. They had that epic Friday night game at BYU, lost 55-53. That was the game most famous for the fact that Mac Brown left early. <laughs> he actually had a good Mac Brown story, you know, just like, you know, he's one of these guys who I think is, you know, is, is kind of just mining people to pick up different things he can. I, I forgot what the, the piece of advice he got from, from Mac when he was there. But, um, you know, they should be really good again. Their quarterback is back. Uh, he was actually in the meeting I was in Logan Woodside. He's not, not a huge guy, but he put up big numbers and, you know, he thinks, um, when you go into Jason's office, he has two jerseys in there. They're from, you know, Pierre Garcon and, uh, Cecil shorts. I was going to say to shorts, um, both Mount, you know, division three guys who ended up playing in the NFL. And he thinks his two receivers that he had, uh, last year who are back and both put up thousand yard seasons. He thinks they're both going to be NFL what about the running back that uh, that he just had, Kareem Hunt? Yeah, no, he's definitely. I mean, he. I think he was the outstanding player in the uh, in the Senior Bowl. I mean, yeah. he'll he'll play in the NFL for a long time. So. It seemed like he was at Toledo forever, and I'm looking at it now, and I see why he was a 
productive runner for four straight seasons. By the way, Mac, the Mac was in the news this week for other reasons. I don't know if this came up while you were there. The Mac released their schedule for this season. And, you know, Maction, they're synonymous with those weeknight games. That They've taken it so far that this season, no Mac teams have a Saturday game in November. Yeah, I think that happened the day I was there. And um, how do you feel about that? You're a, you're a son of Ohio. And I have many friends from high school who went to Mac schools and, and you know, still root for their schools. You know, it's it's a little bit sad. Um, you know, I, on the one hand, you want to say, oh, they've sold their souls completely to TV at the expense of the fans in the stands. But the reason they're doing it is there aren't that many fans in the stands to begin with. You know, most Mac schools are fortunate to get 15,000 people in the stands. Toledo would be an exception. They definitely get more. Um this is the part where I get to segue, I think, a little bit. Okay, so, and I was just going to say, like, okay, so, um, you know, here's an example. I get, I, Miami, I go to, I was just well, going to say, a lot to, of friends go to, a lot of my friends from high school went to Miami of Ohio, or Ohio U. Most of them be, were bigger fans of Ohio State or, or Michigan or something, you know what I mean? Like, they, sure. they, their own school was the second priority. Well, when I so after I left Toledo, I drove it's you know a half hour down the road to Bowling Green, and I went there for practice. And uh, I was talking to the SID, who's been there for a decent amount of time, and I said, and their stadium is was, was definitely more modest um, than than Toledo, and certainly obviously than Ohio State. Um, and I said, what do you get to average? And I thought he said around you know the the state the the place seats twenty five thousand, and it looks a little smaller than that. But he said, you know, early in the year, you know, they I think they may have played Boise a while back at home and they've had some good opponents and you may be close to a sellout then. But then once you get into November, you know, especially if you're not having a great year, you may have seven, eight, nine, ten thousand people there. And so if you're not drawing either way, at least you're going on national TV. And I do think that is so much a part of the Max brand now which is a very good thing to me. Um, yeah, I think if you got a question, to, if you have a chance to be on ESPN or ESPN2 at a Mac school, you take it. I think where people are a little frustrated is they've taken this to I mean, I remember watching a game at Eastern Michigan last year on that weird gray field, and it was on ESPNU, and they were playing somebody really bad. If I had to guess, a game like that gets 70,000 viewers. So at that point, it's like they're not getting that many more TV viewers than are in the stands. But... You know, a game on ESPN or ESPN2 is going to get you, you know, several hundred thousand people. There's no other. It's not like you're going against Big Ten games or anything that night. Well, even if you're, yeah, especially if it's the Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, if you're going up against NFL, that's not going to. No, that's, that's not, not going right. to help. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. Um, just as a follow up, Bowling Green, in case you were wondering, has a big time quarterback, James Morgan. I think he will. You know, he's he was a freshman last year. He's very talented. And they have a player who started out his career at Oregon State, Datron Guyton. If you look at him, he's like, oh, that guy should be in the SEC somewhere. He's 6'5", 190 and can run. I mean, they have a couple of guys that's that another like a uh, uh, safety Fred Garth, who's another JC guy who looks like, you know, he should be at an SEC or a, or an ACC school. And those guys tend to stand out when, as soon as you kind of eyeball them. And I'm curious to see how they do. Uh, this fall i'm just looking at some mac attendance numbers from 2015 because for whatever reason they don't have 2016 listed on the first nta site that i googled i want to give you an over under ball state over under how many fans they average well what's the over oh you want me to set the over oh, oh, oh yeah i'm sorry i i'm playing that game wrong ball state over under 10,000 under 7,974 yeah buffalo over under 20,000 under 18,000 and change and here's my favorite one eastern michigan forget over under just tell me how many you think eastern michigan averaged it was 2015 or yeah not the good season good 2015 uh 6,500 yeah that's so crazy. that's why they do it and and i do think it's smart to get that exposure and and on a related note i was a little disappointed in my alma mater um they so the Big Ten, the, the Big Ten announced last fall that it was part of this new TV deal, of which our network is part of it. Um, they are going to have some Friday night games, and there was n- people in the Big Ten freaked out. And then they put out the schedule, and Northwestern was the only school that had two of them. And their 
fans freaked out. And Pat Fitzgerald is, you know, not a fan of it, thinks that should be for high schools, whatever. The new schedule, the schedule officially comes out recently. And now Northwestern got out of it. They're not playing in those two Friday night games. They moved to Saturday. And I disagree with that, you know, and I'm not, granted, I'm not one of the, you know, people who's affected by it, but, you know, Northwestern Maryland on Saturday is going to be on in the middle of the day or maybe at noon on not one of the big networks against games that people care much more about. Northwestern Maryland on a Friday night is going to be one of maybe two games on and people are going to watch it. Full disclosure, you work at Fox. Fox could have that game. Couldn't I say you're biased on that? No, I mean, people might think that. I, I I get you, but I swear I would be saying the same thing if I didn't work at Fox. Okay, I'll take you at your word still. Okay, uh, next up on the Bruce Feldman Grand Tour is Pitt. Pitt, yes. Um, Where you found practice. some great pictures of a young Dave Wanstead. Yeah. Um, thank you, EJ Borghetti, the SID. Uh, lots of pictures of Dave Wanstead. Had a, had a very cool picture of a young Bino Cook. That was actually ran in Sports Illustrated. The idea that they had once run a a feature on a sports information director is interesting to me, too. That's awesome. Uh, so Pitt practice, you know, they have really good facilities they share with the Steelers. Uh, they they have actually, you know, Max Brown, we were talking about USC. I mean, he started his career at USC and started the season last year. He's a grad transfer, ended up at, uh, at Pitt. I will have a story on him shortly. Uh, we spent, a, you know, I don't know, almost an hour chatting about his, you know, his his transition and everything about it. They have, you know, my guess is he will probably win the starting job uh, over Ben DiNucci, who had played in the in the bowl game after Peterman, uh, Peterman had gotten hurt. But they have two other quarterbacks who are pretty talented, too. And so I think this is a good quarterback room that Sean Watson, the new offensive coordinator, inherits. Uh, I had a chance to spend a lot of time with Sean Watson later in the day, and we talked about uh, our colleague quite a bit, Mr. Klatt. I hope you didn't talk about that mailbag question we got a couple weeks ago. We'd, I did not. I yeah. did not bring that up, no. Um, but, but it was good to visit there, and um, you know, it was totally random. This, uh, this is a lot of random stuff in the whole podcast, I guess, but um, there is a guy that, that they have a freshman, a true freshman who's early enrollee, whose dad I went to high school with and the kid looks exactly the dad and the, the dad's name is Jerry Drake. He ended up playing in the NFL for like four years. Uh, even though he went to out of high school, he went to Hastings college, which was an NAIA school in Nebraska, which Tom Osborne went to. And, um, his son looks exactly like his dad did years ago. And it was just, kind of a little surreal to me that, you know, this kid who had a lot of offers, um, you know, it's just kind of, it makes you feel a lot older when you see somebody like that, you know? And, um, so, uh, they, Pitt looks, looks good. They obviously, you know, have to replace James Connor, have to replace Peterman, who was a starting quarterback. You know, they have to replace some really productive players. That's how I would describe it. Um, but you look around and, and Narduzzi's done a good job there and the ACC is a, is a tough, you know, a tough league. When I looked at them, you know, I don't know, you know, it's, it was a tough read because I, I looked at them and their schedule, they don't have to play Florida state. They don't have to play Clemson yet in the non-conference they have, they have, uh, Oklahoma state and Penn state, which is not going to be fun to play those two offenses. So, and that's a defense that really was, was challenged last year and really struggled. So, um, it was a good visit there. Any questions you have about the, the, uh, Pitt Panthers? I do. Did you just say they're playing both Ohio state and Penn state out of conference? No, Oklahoma state. Oh, and state. Oklahoma state. Okay. Well, that is, that's still very, I mean, Oklahoma state, I assume will be at least in the preseason, a top 10 team. And so Oklahoma State, State may have the matter. Oklahoma State may have the most dynamic offense in the country in 2017. This just reminded me of something kind of random um, that came to my attention yesterday. I believe we're talking. You want to talk about tough non-conference schedules? I'm going to read to you Northern Illinois' 2018 non-conference schedule. Ready? Okay. At Iowa, Utah, Florida State, at BYU. Yeah. 
How'd you stumble upon that? Somebody sent me an email about it, and and I when I did a double take, I was, in the email I was like, it can't be right. There's that that's the four games. Oh, I'm sorry, and I meant it, it, Florida State is on the road. So road games at Iowa, Florida State, BYU, home game against Utah. Well, you know their AD is the guy who's been talking up, doing a um, who really wants a group of five playoff. So if that's not going to happen, I guess he's trying to, you know, make sure his schedule is so tough that if they could somehow go undefeated against that, nobody's going to be able to deny them the playoff. Hey, do you know Rand? You also mentioned Bino Cook. You you know the famous Bino Cook story from when he was an SID, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Can I tell it on the podcast, or is it you can you can tell it? You can tell it. I hope I don't botch it. Okay, so Bino Cooks the SID, long time ago, right? Well, maybe what nineteen sixties. Sounds like yeah. it. It may have been before that. Yeah. He's a young guy at the time, and a woman. You know, you get all these <laughs> random phone calls into the office, and a woman calls up and she says, um, "Hi, can you tell me the Pitt football roster?" And he's like, "Well, why do you want to know the Pitt football roster?" And she says. Because I want to try to sleep with some of the players. And he goes, okay, well, let's start with number 80, wide receiver, Bino Cook. Mm, <laughs> I think you kind of like botched it a little bit. But um, so what he did was he said, I'm going to give it to you alphabetically. Oh, okay. And he goes, first, Cook, Carroll, offensive tackle. <laughs> His real name is Carroll. So. Thank you for uh... – I probably should have checked with you first before I try to tell that story. Uh, uh, last up, West Virginia. West Virginia, yeah. I drove in here. It's been snowing. I uh, had a chance to watch uh, practice, watch practice film with with some of the coaches and Will Greer, who's going to be the new starting quarterback at West Virginia. Their ones look very good. I think you know they were they had a good year in 2016. I think they'll be even better this year. Will Will Greer Greer. hasn't played a football game, right, since halfway through the 2015 season. It's, it's, uh, this has been a heck of a wait for him. And he will be able to play from week one. Is that correct? That's the expectation. Yeah. They Um, still don't know that for sure. I'm not sure if they know it for sure. I think they expect that that will be the case. Yes. That's a, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, this is a guy who looked very promising, albeit in like six starts, but, Got off to a great start at Florida. Had that big win at uh, LSU. And West Virginia, they've had good quarterbacks recently, but they haven't He's the most talented quarterback they've had, certainly since Geno Smith. I mean, you watch it, the ball jumps out of his hand. He's probably a little more athletic than Geno Smith. Uh, He's got a presence to him. By the way, married with a kid. So they may have one of the few backfields in the country where they have two married guys with kids. Between he and Justin Crawford, the running back. There you go. Uh, so you think they're going to be even better than last year? Last year they won ten games and went into, I want to say, the second to last week of the season with a chance to win the conference. Here's why I think they'll be a little better. I think that I think Will Greer will be an upgrade in the passing game compared to what they ha- what they had with Skylar Howard. His arm is just on a different level. Uh, they lose a really good center in Tyler Olowski, but. At the beginning of the year, they lost probably their most – both their tackles are NFL guys. They're really good. And so when they get Yanni Kajust back, I think that will help them. The receivers are, are are good. The running backs are really, really good. I think they have four big-time running backs. They have a freshman who's like five – literally, I met him today. He's five, five, 170 pounds, and he's a dynamic guy who I think will they'll find a way to kind of utilize him in, in situations – defensively they they were missing their best defensive player all last year Drayvon uh ask you Hendrick uh Drayvon ask you uh as a safety he's he'll be back um and and David Long is a, is a budding star at linebacker now they do have some some question marks on the D-line but considering all that I think they're going to be more talented I don't know if they're going to be deeper but their starters should be very very good I think Okay, well, this is just the beginning. Next week we'll come back, and I'll let you know what I see at Stanford. You will have then at that point added Penn State and, and maybe somebody else. Yeah, a few Texas schools, and I will have. Jeez, you're not driving that car to Texas, are you? 
I, I know I'm not. I'm going to fly to Houston and then drive on, pick up another rental car, and go to uh, go to Austin. I know your twins recently celebrated uh, their third birthday. Will they be celebrating their fourth birthday by the time you get back from this trip? I hope not. I <laughs> hope not. So FaceTime has been a wonderful thing, but um. And then I'm also going to be doing a Northwest trip at some point here soon. So Pacific Northwest trip. So, you know, by the time we get to the end of April, hopefully we'll have filled you guys in on a good section of the country. Obviously not possible to get to the entire country in one spring. And I don't know about you, but I try to pick my schools based on who have I not seen in the last couple of years. So last year I did a lot of SEC, ACC. The year before that, I feel like I did the, a lot of Oklahoma and Texas schools. So it just felt like I would concentrate on the Pac-12 this spring and you hadn't been to ohio state in a while i hadn't been to ohio state and well the last time i was at ohio state wasn't that long ago was i fox sent me there the week of the big 10 title game when they crushed wisconsin so that wasn't that long ago i hadn't been to Pitt in about 10 years i haven't been to penn state let's put this way the last time i was at penn state I went there with Myron Roll and his family when he was going on to uh, to a Nike camp before his senior Holy year of high school. Cow. Yeah, so that's probably a dozen years. Um, okay, so when you say so when you say haven't been there in a while, you're you're looking for ones you haven't been to in a decade. Yeah, in that case, yeah. So the Penn State was really when I made a list of places I need, felt like I needed to go to, and certainly now that Fox has the Big Ten, um, you know, Big Ten schools were more of a priority but i haven't been to ohio state and penn state in so long i was like i have to go so i'm excited to go we should probably address bruce why if you're going to that part of the country and you're going to ohio state you're going to toledo uh in penn state why not michigan you know i tried to line that up i could not get the particulars hammered out um i would like to there's a couple of guys i know pretty well who just got to that staff and i would like to have gotten together with them but um, I could not get the details hammered out with the school, so it did not happen. Have you noticed that you don't often see any sort of stories from national writers visiting Ann Arbor? Yeah, um, you know, I think that's 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 the regime there. Yeah, yeah. I, I get these emails. I, I'm on Michigan's email list, and I get these emails about once a week from their SID, and it's a, it's you know to the media that cover the team regularly. It says, all right, here's the spring practice. Here's the availability this week. And it'll be like uh, one position coach or coordinator and two players are going to talk to the media this week. And that's about it. Yeah. Look, I mean, you can't argue with the success that Jim Harbaugh has had since he's taken over Michigan. I mean, I was felt fortunate that I actually got was able to get in there for a sit down, you know, his first year there. But um you know, sometimes when fans and will say, hey, how come you to go to don't go to such and such or whatever? Um, and I'm not necessarily speaking about Michigan. A lot of times it comes back to access. Yeah. You know, if you're making a trip somewhere and taking the time and, and your company's paying for it, you want to you would like to go somewhere where you feel like it's productive. And I got to say, you know, look, uh, to Ohio State's credit, I mean, Urban Meyer, along with Nick Saban, they're the biggest coaches in, you know, in our sport. And that program is a huge program. You know, they they make it worthwhile to make the trip. I yeah. mean, the access was great. And, you know, Urban Meyer was very accommodating. And I can't say, like, I know coaches a lot better than I, you know, know Urban Meyer. It's not like he and I are texting all the time. But, I, you know, I appreciate Jerry Emig. That's the, uh, that is the SID there. And they were very accommodating. I think you probably echo that in terms of you want to go somewhere where you feel like it's going to be beneficial. Correct. You ideally get to see practice and mm -hmm. obviously talk to a bunch of people, uh, preferably, you know, sit down with them away from the practice field so that, you know, they have a little bit more time to open up. Um, so I, that was just that wasn't to single out Michigan, although I'm sure people who already think for whatever reason last year came convinced I hate Michigan will bring this up as another example. <laughs> it was more about kind of the nuts and bolts behind the scenes of why people well, you know when we're playing these trips why you may visit some schools and not others do you think people assume that you you applied to both northwestern and michigan didn't get into michigan and that's the that's the the impetus for this sour stew when it comes to all things wolverine i i'm sure somebody will throw that out there i don't know um i'm sure some people might say oh you're from ohio so you must like ohio no um i, <laughs> I don't have anything against michigan my wife went to michigan Zingerman's is one of the best delis in America. 
Um, yeah, nothing against Michigan. Promise. Just had some a run of snark there on Twitter last season and had a guy get so mad that he unfollowed me and, and unsubscribed from our podcast. I hope maybe he's back by now. And if he is, I'm sure he's going to unsubscribe. Stu, again. you're costing us business. He unfollowed our, he followed our podcast for something you decided to, to do on the on Twitter. I think he got a little bit, uh, I, 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 what's the word? I would say you're, you're looking for reasons when you start pointing out some of the fairly innocent tweets that he did. I have no good segue from that. We'll come back to you next week with uh, some more spring practice updates. And also, of course, we want to answer your emails. So send them to theaudiblepod at gmail.com. See if you can ask a better question than Jason Garluski. See if you can squeeze him out of the lineup for once. Since he just keeps sending us questions and we just keep answering them. All right. And as always, if you enjoy the Audible, please subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.